Our scripture today is from Thessalonians, chapters 4, verses 16 and 17, and chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. The master himself will give the command, archangel thunder, God's trumpet blast. He'll come down from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise. They'll go first. Then the rest of us who are still alive at the time will be caught up with them into the clouds to meet the master. Oh, we'll be walking on air. And then there will be one huge family reunion with the master. Cool. I don't think, friends, that I need to deal with the question of when all this is going to happen. You know as well as I that the day of the master's coming can't be posted on our calendars. He won't call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would. About the time everybody's walking around complacently, congratulating each other, we've sure got it made. Now we can take it easy. Suddenly, everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly and inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. But friends, you're not in the dark, so how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You're sons of light, daughters of day. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we're creatures of day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. God didn't set us up for an angry rejection, but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. He died for us, a death that triggered life. Whether we're awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we're alive with him. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen.
I'd like to start with a quote from Alexander Schmemann. The beginning, the destination is announced. The journey is to the kingdom. This is where we are going. And not symbolically, but really. In the language of the Bible, which is the language of the church, to bless the kingdom is not simply to acclaim it. It is to declare it to be the goal. The end of all our desires and interests of our whole life, the supreme and ultimate value of all that exists. To bless it, to bless, is to accept in love and to move toward what is loved and accepted. Here's what this quote means to me. It means that when we say our God is a God of joy and of peace and of justice, of restoration and of promise, of love for humankind, we're saying that's what really matters. That's what we give our heart to. That's what we want for everything. That's what we are making real now. You heard in the reading, God says, look, there's going to be a day when all of these things come to bear fruit, when it becomes really real, when all of the things we've been griping about, when all the things that we felt were insurmountable obstacles, when all of the reasons that we gave for being so slow to get there are no longer valid. And all of a sudden we're going to realize it was here all along. I was remembering this morning on the drive up here, this image that was given to me this week. And like a dream, it's sort of in my mind. I know somebody gave it to me, but I don't remember who it was. <laughs> I'm going to share it with you anyway. The image that was given to me was about these leaves that we're seeing change color. What was cool about this image that was given to me was the, the person who spoke it described how what we are seeing now, this incredible beauty that New England is so famous for, this stained glass effect that takes over all of the places we live, no matter how hidden or public, no matter whether it's the street in front of the state house or the street in the poorer side of town, right? This glorious beauty that takes over everywhere, that was there the whole time. That was always the colors that the leaves were. What was changed was the chlorophyll, right? The green we saw this whole time, it was just a mask. It was a film covering over these brilliant colors that were always underneath. The kingdom of God, the day of the Lord, it's already here. We're living in it. It's here. Following all the letters in the books uh, of the early church is a dream by a prophet, one who is so um, uncontainable and so horizon-focused they can't actually live in society and they have to go live in exile, a revelation that describes a future vision in which 
God sets everything to rights and then moves in with us. That the table of the saints, the ultimate table of the saints, is set right here in Concord, New Hampshire, <laughs> on the floor that we know so well, or with, surrounded by the trees and plants and homes and customs of our own lives. We're not going to be scooped up and carried off somewhere else. No, it's in the midst of this. Because the reality that we have hope in, the promise we have given our hearts to, is now and here is already real. That's why the writer in the letter and so many of the prophets say, wake up. Wake up from the dream. Wake up from the dream that all of the um, problems that face us require solutions we understand. That humans are the answer to the problems of the cosmos. Wake up from the dream that has told you uh, what to put on your checklist in order to have a successful life and that you ought to feel bad about yourself if you can't get that list to work for you. Wake up from that dream and see the brilliant colors underneath the truth of grace. Wake up from the dream of war to the truth of peace. Wake up from the dream of division to the truth of community. The kingdom will happen here, so let us bless it. To bless is to accept in love and to move toward what is loved and accepted. Resist the temptation to sleep. Today matters. Don't sleep through it. I want to say a little bit about this language of day that you heard Kathy reading out. We are people of the day. Do you all know why we worship on Sundays? Why do we gather on Sunday mornings traditionally? Worship of God can actually happen any time during the week, but we have a tradition of gathering on Sunday morning. Do you know why? Easter, I hear a little bit, yeah, yeah. You, do you know that Sunday is not the Sabbath day? Yes, yes. The Sabbath day is Saturday, right? And when you worship God in the Sabbath, you're remembering that we are not here and this world is not here because it is required, because of our product, because of our labor, but because of God's love and delight in us and all that is. But we Christians, we Methodists, we worship on Sunday morning. And why? It's because we proclaim a vision that is not only about remembering that we are beloved, but, we re but remembering that we are formed of love so that, so that we can worship God in the morning of a new day, in the chapter of something which is yet to come. 
We are a people who have decided to orient our lives around just a little bit more, a little bit extra, the next chapter. God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. And on the eighth morning, the Christians got up to talk about what's next. That's our culture. We're people of the morning. We're people of the day after. And what's next? And here's what it means. If we're going to be faithfully people of the day, it doesn't just mean keeping our worship time on Sunday morning. We can actually hold this spirit in other times and days as well. No, it's bigger than that. What it's about is giving our heart to something that's a little bit risky. to a love that's a little bit more than the neat package all wrapped up. Uh, Some of you have probably seen Marvel movies. Yes, it's kind of a thing, right, that at the end of the Marvel movie, if you wait through the credits rolling, you're going to get a little taste of what's going to be the next Marvel movie. There's a little bit more to come, right? And this is important because Marvel movies follow a really well-known pattern. They make us feel comfortable and secure because they follow a pattern where good battles with evil. And the climax is when we really don't know if good can possibly make it through, right? But then something happens, and hope has the edge And then the end of the movie, typically, unless it's a part one, (laughs) reassures us that everything will settle in to a kind of a new normal, and everyone can rest. And then the credits roll, but if you wait in the theater, another new question will begin, another new quest will be announced. That's what we're like. Of course, everything around us and within us is crying out, yes, yes, we need safety, we need security, we need to know what we're doing. But we have given our hearts to a God of Easter morning, of resurrection, of surprise. There's more than you were expecting to this. And so we need to match that too in the way that we plan and in the way that we serve one another to not just do what we feel like we can manage, what we know we have in hand, but to have a little bit of risk in the equation, a little bit more than we're ready for. We're working on the budget right now, of course, so I'm thinking about that all the time. Our budget should not just be a description. Our budget should not be a catalog of what we've done and what we expect our normal shall be. Our budget should also inspire us with a little bit of risk, a new quest beginning. Here's also what it means to be part of the day. Yesterday, when we gathered for the, um, our regular church conference, which is like our annual meeting, We were sharing that meeting with several other congregations. We were all in a big group in the sanctuary for part of it, and then we split up into smaller groups so that we could meet just church by church. 
And those of you who were there, as many of you were, um, will recall that when we did that, when the group from Wesley went out to do our little business part of the meeting and went to sit at the table, there was not nearly enough room at the table for us. And we had to take a second to pull the tables apart to create a little bit more room for extra chairs to be added at the table because there were more of us there than they had planned for. That's great. I'm so glad that so many of us participated yesterday. And I want to use that mental image of pulling those tables apart to make room to say what it means to be people of the day means to have a table big enough that there's room for more seats to be pulled up. Our dreams, our vision for who we are, should always have room for people we didn't know were coming, right? Our dreams have to be big enough that everyone has a seat, even the ones we didn't know were there. What it means to be people of the day means that each day ends and begins with a little fasting, a little appetite. Our day begins with a breaking of a fast, meaning that we rise into the day a little bit hungry for something, a little bit of an appetite. What it means to be people of the day is recognizing that as the arc of the light moves from sunrise to sunset, we are most ourselves when it is directly above us. And that the sunset is not a dying of the light because we know that the world is round. Yes? It's not a dying of the light, but an invitation of the light beyond our borders. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Be hungry for what you have not yet seen. This season we have been reading 1 Thessalonians and um, it's an unusual choice for this kind of season. But here's what I love about it and why I wanted it to be our refrain in this season. This is the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote that we still have to the best of our knowledge. And in this first letter, when Paul's ministry is brand new, when so much is yet to happen, and the church in the world is brand new, and what it means to be people of the day is just being figured out. The main tone of this letter is joy. How good it feels to be in love with God together. And the main thing that Paul instructs the church and instructs his colleagues at the beginning of all of this, the main thing that is most important to him, the whole message of this letter, is not comfort. No, that'll come later. It's not instruction. No, that will come later. It's not really explanation. No, that will come later. 
No, his message is encourage one another. Encourage one another. Risk, hunger, dream big, be drawn to the horizon and encourage each other. Give your heart to this. Amen.